Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. 97.1 FM Talk Podcast. Well, the latest batch of the Twitter files is back. One thing about, nice thing about having a weekend show is that when there's a Friday afternoon news dump, which surprisingly there are a lot of stuff that they're trying to avoid people seeing, uh, we get to cover that first. So I'm not necessarily bringing you an exclusive here. This is the second round of the Twitter files release by Elon Musk. Why he's doing this so close to the weekends, because usually that's when they try to bury news. Uh, this is, of course, not something that he's trying to bury. He's trying to get quite a bit of attention and is on these things because it's a legitimate scandal. The latest Twitter files release shows secret blacklist label on conservative accounts. I'll get into my own experience with this in a minute, but this is from the Washington uh, Examiner. Twitter's practices of shadow banning were revealed by a new release of Elon Musk's Twitter files. The latest batch of insider company information was released on Thursday evening by journalist Barry Weiss, the former New York Times columnist, went into greater detail after the first Twitter files installment last week failed to confirm the popular theory that the U.S. government played a role in censoring a story about Hunter Biden's laptop. Um, but the government has been involved and especially Democrat politicians have been involved in talking with Twitter. Now, there's also been talk that there's I'm, I'm deviating from the story a little bit here. There's also been talk that there has been a secret portal <laughs> and when you put it in terms like that, it sounds like, ooh, a secret portal. It's like watching season two of Stargate. Um, but that there was a communication that was supposed to be uh, completely private, that it would never be released to the public, that the FBI and other government officials were censoring and telling Twitter, here's what we want Twitter, or here's what we want censored, here's what we don't want censored, here's what we want pushed by candidates like Joe Biden. Uh, here's what we want not pushed. And they were happy to comply with that. That is very, very, very illegal. It's actually why we have a First Amendment. It's why the founders put it in there is to avoid things like that, that now one side of the aisle primarily is just doing. They're, they're telling you that they're the law and order party uh, because of January 6th, that they're the, one, they're the only ones that believe in democracy while completely washing away the foundations under their feet that it stands on. Uh, Barry Weiss framed this as shadow banning, a practice whereby social platforms limit the visibility of a social media account without informing the account owner of such. Twitter employees called this practice, they had a name for it too. They just weren't referring to it to the same thing that we were, shadow banning. They called it visibility filtering. So it was open. It was an open secret within Twitter that they were doing this. Now, why is that a problem? Well, beyond all of the reasons that you already know that that Especially if the government was involved, it breaks the First Amendment. But even if they weren't, if the government had stayed out of this, and they haven't, certainly U.S. political candidates, mostly on the left, were talking to Twitter and telling them, here's what I want banned, here's what I want pushed. But even if that weren't happening, you still have the issue of Section 230, which is a law that is meant to keep this very thing from happening. Um, the reason that it exists 
is because if you have a publisher, you want the publisher to be under a certain set of laws and somebody who's just a platform to be under different laws. Twitter and YouTube and all the others that are censoring and filtering and pushing certain things while pushing while not pushing others, um, they are acting as a publisher, not as a platform. So that puts them in different legal territory, and they're trying to feign that they're not doing this. Well, this shows the opposite. On Tuesday, Corinne Jean-Pierre, the White House press secretary, had some things to say about this because she was asked about it. But, of course, she tried to play it down. So, look, we see this as a, a, an interesting or a coincidence, if I may, that uh, uh, that he would so haphazardly, uh, Twitter would so haphazardly push this distraction. Uh, that is a that is a full of uh, old news, if you think about it. Um, and uh, at the same time, Twitter is facing very real and very serious questions uh, about the rising volume of anger, hate, and anti-Semitism on their platform, and uh, how they're letting it happen. So the answer was, this is a distraction. Certainly it is a distraction for her, for the White House. They don't want to be talking about this. And it's also old news. One of the reasons we shouldn't talk about it is that it's old news and um, racism. So that's, that's what we really should be talking about. You idiots in the, in the press corps who would even dare question me, which is so few of them that will. Um, you're racists, or at least... You're promoting racism. That's the problem. That's 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 the real problem here. Um, but as we know, that is not the real problem. The real problem is that even with the, with the claim that this is old news, like, oh, this already came out. <laughs> well, what are you saying there? That hey, it's okay because we already talked about it? Well, A, you didn't talk about it. Here's actually what Jack Dorsey said before Congress when he was asked about it. Are you censoring people? No. Twitter shadow banning prominent Republicans is bad. Is that true? No. Yeah, that's not the only time he said that either. He uh, has said that in multiple occasions. The problem with Jack Dorsey, St. Louis's own, is that uh, he he may not have actually known uh, much about this. The original Twitter files released from last week showed that Jack Dorsey, who was CEO of the company at the time, founder of the company, creator of the company, actually didn't know a lot of this was happening. But come on, you, you, you didn't know any of it was happening. Of course, he knew some was happening. He just was staying out of it. In his defense, he was saying he was actually working on Square a lot at the time. And that's all probably true. But for him to say that he didn't know any of that now, I, I mean, come on, that's that, that can't be true. Saying, no, we're not shadow banning. No, we're not censoring. Um, even if he didn't know it, it's still a lie. I mean, regardless, it's a lie. We know that now, and he probably knew that net then, and it's very sad to see that Elon Musk is even still considering having him in the company. It's weird, though, but I kind of root for Jack Dorsey. He seems like he was just trying to do something, make a cool company, and then he got super rich, super influential, and it was just kind of beyond him. But you can't let people get away with this stuff. He was letting it happen, whether he knew the depth of it or not. It was happening on his watch, and then he lied about it, and he has to be held accountable for that. Uh, my own personal Twitter story is that I test. I may have mentioned this already at Radio Wiggins. This is a platform I'm beginning to trust more and more. I mean, you get to be this 
transparent about everything, you start to go, hey, this may be the place to be. So if you want to get on Twitter, at Radio Wiggins, I'm a great follow. I actually put a lot of ridiculous stuff on there. That's part of the fun of social media. Um, I, I tested mine. Do, now, Elon Musk is apparently going to release his own version of this where you can test your account to see how badly shadow banned or censored you were. And there's four different categories by which that could have happened that this other um, analytics was doing that. So I ran my account through that analytics and through that analysis and all four of them. <laughs> I got to check on all four of them. So I am highly dangerous, uh, apparently, to the whoever was was making these decisions at Twitter, and I was banned in every conceivable way. And of course, my following stopped. It just did not grow after about 2019. So I started here on the Dave Glover Show. The account started to grow, and then I guess what I said something that triggered it. And continued to say things that continued to trigger it after 2020, of course, and the account just stopped. Well, ever since Elon Musk has taken over, it started to grow again. I mean, there's evidence right there. Everybody knows this stuff. But back to the important point, this stuff is important. This is the public square. This is the town square where our founders said there needs to be public discourse. There needs to be debate about everything. Well, that debate isn't happening. And all of the yelling about, well, that's a private company, <clears throat> that is legally true. But you realize how dicey that's getting, right? The more we find out, the more we're finding out that there was a lot of really illegal, anti-First Amendment things happening, and that stuff should be discussed as well. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. I'm looking up at the TV right now. I'm watching Cecily Strong do a Verizon ad. You know who Cecily Strong is? She's from Saturday Night Live. You've probably seen the ads, even if you don't watch SNL. I would guess she's been on the show long enough that you know who she is. She's really funny. She deserves her position on that show for so long. Uh, and she's been on some other stuff, too. But when I watch that Verizon ad, all I can think is she is really far left. Surprise, surprise. She's on Saturday Night Live. She's a celebrity, and she's super far left. Okay, you, you we <laughs> no big deal over there. We we understand that, but the fact that she's on Verizon ads makes me think not a that she doesn't have the right to say any of those things, and that Verizon shouldn't have hired her. That's America. That's capitalism. The problem is that the atmosphere that we live under is one that says that it is okay if you come out. This is the best example. I mean, it really is of the bias in media and really in society that you can come out and say like really, really far leftist things and have no pushback other than maybe from conservative media and then go about your career. You, you're fine. You're, you're, she's probably making more in that ad than she does in a year on SNL. But if you were a conservative, if you said the same kind of things on the conservative spectrum that she has said on the left, there is no way Verizon or some just mainstream big company, Doritos or whoever, would hire you to be in an ad. And that really is the best example I can think of of social bias. 
And that's not something that's necessarily controlled by any one person. It's just perception. I think that's when we complain about the media, that's kind of what that means. It's, it's that the media is so skewed to the left that it creates this perception that here is the mainstream, which is center to left. And here is the people who are outside of the mainstream and should not really be touched. These are more untouchable types. And they're the conservatives. And so it creates an atmosphere where a corporate person goes, oh, you know what, there's not really much risk in going with a Cecily Strong, even though she's had strong leftist, hardcore political opinions that are very public. We're not going to get any blowback for that, but we will get blowback if we hire a conservative when honestly the whole country is just split down the middle and the, it's just the vocal people, the, the couple percentages of people that yell the loudest. It's unfortunate. But, hey, that's not even the tale from the dark side. There is, unseen by most, an underworld, a place that is just as real, but not as brightly lit, a dark side. Yeah, it's been, it's been kind of a dark show. I'm sorry. I, I really am apologizing for that. I guess the Kristen Cinema News is probably the best political news of the week. Um, but how about this? I'm looking back at a tweet from 2020. Now, there were a lot of tweets in 2020 and statements and sentences said by a lot of people in, let's say, March, April of 2020, that if you hold people to them, you can make a lot of people look pretty bad. But let's say by May, June, the people who had some common sense were starting to come out and say, hey, this is stupid, what we're doing. Uh, we need to change some things. By December of 2020, do you remember what life was like? Still locked down. I was still, sh I was shocked that we were had gone that long. Because I, I think in November, people were asking me in my little social circles, what's, what are it going to be like? Are we, are we still going to have shutdowns for Christmas? And I was like, man, no way. This is, we've got to get over this stuff. And yet... Nothing changed at all for Christmas. I mean, we still try to do our things, but you can't force other people to do their things with you. So Christmas, uh, December of 2020, was when those who had common sense were really getting frustrated with everything, probably even before that. But let's say, for the sake of argument, by December, people had gone into their camps and said, okay, enough is enough. Or, no, we need to keep doing this. Here's Chicago Teachers Union. A tweet from that era. The push to reopen schools is rooted in sexism, racism, and misogyny. Let me read that one more time. Chicago Teachers Union. The push to reopen schools is rooted in sexism, racism, and misogyny. Not to be outdone, here is Jane Fonda this week. If there were no racism, there'd be no climate crisis. If there was no misogyny, there'd be no climate crisis. It's a it's part of a mindset. It's the mindset that looks at a woman and says, nice. Doggone it. All of our problems really are rated, <laughs> rooted in racism and misogyny and sexism, I guess. I, I don't know. <laughs> whatever. I mean, you just say whatever you want now. You just say whatever you want. Well, I told the story last week about how I sat next to a guy at a plane who was wearing a mask, and he was 
one of the only people on the plane wearing a mask, and I think the only other people wearing a mask were in his family. And he felt obligated to explain to me, well, this is why I'm wearing it. He felt like he was the social outcast, and I wasn't casting any judgment on him. I don't know. I don't think I was anyway. Maybe my countenance said otherwise. But he just sat down. He started telling me. Well, I thought that was pretty indicative of where we are because think about this time last year. You would have been the outcast and actually cast off the plane for not wearing a mask because of mandates, which is so unfortunate. It's a, it's a different subject, but the mandate thing, why don't we just let social norms take care of these things so that people who were not wearing them, if, you, if everybody was wanting to wear them, then the, the social outcast would have been the person not wearing them. You would have had to suffer the consequences socially, not legally. Anyway, I digress. This Twitter thing is such a big story. It's affecting everything, and it did affect everything. That's why it's such a big story is because it affected the information that America was able to digest. That is no more true than during the COVID era. My goodness, how much different the COVID era would have been if we had free-flowing information. Just this week... Listen to this one. This is Dr. Andrew Huff. He is the former vice president of EcoHealth Alliance. That is a huge company. You've probably interacted with EcoHealth Alliance. I've seen their logo around at doctor's offices and stuff. It's a big, big company. They worked closely with the Wuhan lab. He says, he was the former vice president of EcoHealth Alliance. He says COVID was genetically engineered. And in the early days, you know, you would have been banned for saying that. And then it turned out to be right. So this isn't even really news news. It's just more confirmation from high ups. They know this stuff. They knew this stuff. They were even afraid to say it. That's the environment that was created. But beyond that, listen to this. He says it was genetically engineered and was leaked from the Wuhan lab. The Sun reports. Now... That's not necessarily saying that it was leaked on purpose, but that it was leaked from that lab. The implication being that they knew it, they knew that it was leaked from that lab, and China itself covered it up. Doesn't it frustrate you that we have such feckless leadership that may be even bought by China, speaking of the Twitter story of the Hunter Biden stuff and the money that's flowed from China through Hunter to possibly Joe Biden, which is why it's a concern, not because it's Hunter Biden, but that Joe Biden may be bought, at least in part, by China. That is a national security concern that we should have known before the election. This Twitter stuff has affected... Again, so many things, and the laptop story has gotten most of the attention. But I still think that the COVID stuff, we're just, it's tip of the iceberg. We got so much more to come on this. How about this one? This one also shared this week. The headline, not even N95 masks work to stop COVID. The experts have repeatedly tried to deflect from the failure of their policies with misdirection. The reason lockdowns didn't work in the United States or the United Kingdom is because they weren't strict enough according to many expert community. I'm reading from the article here. Of course, their excuses have been conveniently ignored as China's completely repressive zero COVID lockdowns also didn't work. It's a great point made here. But the oft-repeated assertion is that the failure of universal masking is uh, what 
what doomed us. Even though the CDC and Dr. Fauci explicitly explicitly claimed that wearing anything to cover your face would be as effective as preventing transmission, many have now quietly dismissed that messaging. By the way, Dr. Fauci, as you've probably seen, was completely dismissive of masks pre-March of 2020, even in March of 2020. Yet public health departments and the media are now highlighting the importance of high-quality masks. You saw this shift happen. <clears throat> so it was it, that's the way all these things happen. Is they don't ever quite completely break through. They just bubble up because the mainstream, the legacy media, unless they grab it, so many Americans don't even know about it. That's why you listen to shows like this. That's why you listen to 97.1. That's why you stay informed because you want to know what's really going on. And certain outlets will not say. But here's what's interesting. So the, the whole point of this article, and this is the Annals of Internal Medicine. I hope I'm pronouncing Annals right. <laughs> you know where I don't want to, how I don't want to pronounce it. They just published a randomized controlled trial comparing the ability of medical masks to prevent COVID infection to fit tested N95s. This trial was conducted on healthcare workers who would be most likely to use masks appropriately and on which the Supreme Court held the vaccine mandate on them. It says, from the trial to determine whether medical masks are non-inferior to N95 respirators to prevent COVID-19 in healthcare workers providing routine care. That trial design was also important as it was meant to determine whether or not N95 respirators were superior to regular surgical masks. They examined 29 different healthcare facilities on multiple continents from North America to Asia to Africa. The percentage of healthcare workers testing positive for COVID in each group was tracked to determine how effective or ineffective higher quality masking was in preventing infection. Unsurprisingly, the results confirmed that there is essentially zero difference between surgical or N95 respirators when it comes to test results. That is interesting stuff. Now, if you say, well, I want to see the research for myself, that's fine. That's the point of free exchange of information is that some of these things are going to come out and they might sound great. Maybe that's that study itself. Once you looked into it as a medical or research professional, you'd look into it and say, there's problems with this, but that's fine. That's the point of the free exchange of information, which we have not had. I've been holding on to this clip to play for just a a time such as this because I didn't want to force a COVID story, but I've had this and man, I've been waiting to play it and I'm going to play it now. This is a clip from the Simpsons. I do believe it's 2011 is when this played. So a lot of the early Simpsons stuff from the 90s into the 2000s, I know a lot about it because I loved the Simpsons, but starting in about, I don't know, the late 2000s. It was, it was just on. It continues to be on. And so there's been now a decade or more of Simpsons episodes that I don't think I've ever seen. This was probably one of those coming out in roughly 2011, as far as I understand. Listen to this clip. I'd like to call to order this secret conclave of America's media empires. We're here to come up with the next phony baloney crisis to put Americans back where they belong in dark rooms glued to their televisions too terrified to skip the commercials. Well, I think... NBC, you are here to listen and not speak. I think we should go with a good old-fashioned public health care. Yeah. A new disease. No one's immune. 
It's like the summer of the shark, except instead of a shark, it's an epidemic. And instead of summer, it's all the time. That is so Now, I hate to be the guy who derails what everybody else loves. He loves being that guy. But, Janice, we do have standards. This can't be a made-up disease. The only moral thing to do is release a deadly virus into the general public. We do have something we've been holding on to, but it hasn't been tested. Get over here, NBC. Uh, well, well, we certainly believe in testing, but I... Oh, oh. Wow. Wow. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. So, we've got our deadly disease. Is that not amazing? I mean, tell your friends and get the podcast on that one. That's incredible. It is a meeting, a dark room meeting, you know, one of those big circle ta- tables with everybody meeting at it, between government leaders and media leaders, and then I guess some scientists determining how to control the population, and they decide, well, let's create a deadly virus. That is in freaking credible <laughs> I, I, I'm telling you, the Simpsons, man, let's go back and watch all the episodes to see what's going to happen next, because apparently those guys are prognosticators. Stick around. We are going to bring Trisha back into studio here. We do have a little bit more COVID talk. It's about your workplace, though. Stuff that maybe hits a little bit more close to home now that we are past the COVID era. Oh, Trisha's back. Okay, I've been struggling with how to talk about this all morning. Oh, because boy. I, I have nothing to say about it. I just wanted to bring it up because uh, it it's so like fascinating to me. Mm-hmm. I have nothing to say about it. I have nothing it. to say about this. I really don't. But I'm going to bring it up anyway. I want to read what it is. Have you heard about Celine Dion? What about her? She's revealed that she's suffering from a very rare syndrome. And it's got to be the way they pick the picture. Because if you see, if it depends on the picture you pick. Uh, if they pick the one that's, you know, her singing in Titanic era, then it's fine. But this picture they picked, she looks like she's struggling with something. And she released this video about, here's what it is. I'm finally going to go public with it. It's called Stiff person syndrome that sounds made up it's apparently it's real and she and it's incurable just starts hardening your you basically freeze wow and i don't know how you die if you die from like you know not being able to move or what yeah that's terrible but it's yeah it's horrible and stiff person syndrome stiff person syndrome that sounds like if a child named a disorder. Doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It sounds like it. I mean, I should, I don't want to make a joke. This is, this is related, but unrelated. But I wrote a sketch one time. I've written a lot of comedy stuff. I wrote a sketch one time that was called, it was a character called Rigor Morty. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he, he was, you know, he was suffering from rigor mortis, but he was alive and he was named Morty and he was the life of the party, except that he couldn't move very well. That was the, the sketch. This is actually that it looks like. And it's not funny, and I have nothing to say about it other than go watch the video of her explaining this because it makes you uncomfortable. Does she explain how long this takes to... No, and I'm sure we can look that up, and maybe it's different for everybody, and she may have been struggling with it for a while. Mm-hmm. And she says, I'm finally going to go public with this. So How I guess old she's, is she? Do you know? I think she's in her mid-50s, so she's still relatively young yeah. as far as being a pop star. Well, a pop star, you're old for 55, but... You know, as far no, as, as, being, a <laughs> as a human, as a human, she's a young human. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, I don't just wanted to see if you had seen that. I have not. That's terrible. It's rather disturbing and, and terrifying. Yeah. Could you imagine? Yeah, right. To be just like, well, this is what it is. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's not the only disease like that, but 
That's the age-old debate, your mind going and your body being fine or your body going and your mind being fine, which is worse. I don't know. I guess it depends on how fast. Mm-hmm. The mind going and your body being fine, I think I've always landed on that's harder for the family, but your body going and your mind being fine has got to be harder on the individual. Yeah, I would think so. With all the modern technology, if you, you know, like Stephen Hawking, mm-hmm. you know, that guy was accomplished a lot and he had nothing in the way of body. He had a lot of mind. But yeah, I think I guess I'd have to land on the side of mind. I don't mm-hmm. know. I'd have to land on the side of nothing. Yeah, I'd prefer none of it. Yeah, it's yeah. Tra- tragic. Yeah, totally. Okay, so since I have nothing to say about that, let's just end with that. I did want to get to this other thing uh, and just see if you, you know, if you lament this kind of stuff at all. These are companies that have survived the pandemic, but that now look like they're going to fold in 2023. Just see if you have any sort of relationship with these companies, because I wanted to see who was going away. Okay. Bed, Bath & Beyond? Meh. Meh? Meh. Coupons? Meh. I love their coupons. I was too young to really appreciate Bed, Bath & Beyond in oh, its yeah? heyday. Mm-hmm. Is, that a, is that a generational thing? I think so. Okay. By the time, I see that. By the time I was purchasing things for houses or had enough money to buy things mm-hmm. for my home space, Bed, Bath & Beyond was already kind of it wasn't cool gone anymore. by the wayside. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh, well, that... I remember going as a kid with my mom and being like, there's a lot of stuff I don't know what to do with in here. Well, they used to have a world market in the one in Fairview. And I used to love the little world, world market. great. Oh, yeah. And now mm-hmm. it's gone, too. I there's, don't know if it's gone, gone. I think there's gone. still one in Shiloh. No. That's, that's gone, gone, too? Yeah. Oh, man. The, the big store is what you're talking about. Yeah. Next to the Target. Mm-hmm. Now it's gone. Dang it. It's now, been a long time. <clears throat> somebody tell me if I'm wrong. If, if that store still exists somewhere in St. Louis. Brentwood? I would I love to know. there used to be one in Brentwood. Maybe. I don't know, but the, all the ones I know about are gone. That was one of those stores, though, that you'd go in and you'd be like, everything in here is so awesome, and then you'd walk out with uh, nothing. Nothing. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, it's all import furniture, uh-huh. stuff that you'd have to really think about. But I would go in there to Christmas shop ideas. I could see you liking it. They had weird candy. That's and why weird I went. Food. And that's why I loved section. the Bed Bath & Beyond version, because it was just that stuff. Mm-hmm. And they had, oh, man, mil- milk chocolate laces. That is a type of cookie that if you get the right ones, oh my gosh, they're so good. Uh, but anyway, they might <laughs> be <okay>? gone. <laughs> Not really. Coming back from that? Uh, yeah, I, there is no coming back from milk chocolate lazies. Uh, bed, bath, but it doesn't mean it's going to be gone. It's just they look financially unstable. And so people are saying maybe. Uh, Joanne, is that, that's got to be generational. You've never been to a I've Joanne. I've never heard of a Joanne. Yes, you have. No. Yes, you have. It's like Hobby Lobby. They do, it's a big department store that does crafts. I can picture their logo. Yeah, here it looks like that. Yep. You've seen it. I thought it was a furniture store. No. That's not a furniture store? (laughs) No. That's a craft store. Oh. So uh, you won't be too sad about that one. (laughs) Hobby Lobby, it's weird though that Hobby Lobby's doing fine. And a lot of crafters out there. Gotta go somewhere. And I guess they're the rare company. I shouldn't say rare because there are other companies, but most companies that come out openly political, either they're far left and people on the right just kind of shrug and go, I don't mm-hmm. really like it, but I'm just going to deal with it because what am I going to do? Boycott everything in the world. But there are very few that come out as big companies that come out as conservative. You know, I think of Chick-fil-A and I think of Hobby Lobby. 
Maybe there's a couple others, but I don't. They're not coming to mind. But that's about it. Hobby Lobby and Chick Fil A have done completely fine with that. But Hobby Lobby, it makes sense because their their demo is you know older and more likely right leaning. Yeah, I mean, this seems like the people mm-hmm. who would shop there are more likely to be right leaning. So that makes sense. Chick Fil A. Everybody likes Chick-fil-A. I mean, They even just if make good chicken. You make your product good and they, enough. And good service. It's good service, good yeah. food. Yeah. It's just surprising. I, that, I guess this goes so to is show. Hobby Lo- are you saying that Hobby Lobby is in trouble? No, no. I'm just saying, I'm saying Joanne is in trouble, mm. which is just like Hobby Lobby. Not a furniture store. Yet Hobby Lobby, which is just like Joanne, is doing fine. So maybe it was good for them to come out I as conservative. I just think that Joanne maybe had a marketing problem since I didn't know what they sold. <laughs> you know what? You may be onto something there. <laughs> You've probably driven past the store a thousand um, times. Yes. Didn't know what it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is that is a problem. Uh, Party City, you ever been there? I have. I have not. That is chaos. Is it? You want to talk about chaos in a store. The discount party superstore. Mm-hmm. The half-flated balloons. Half-flated, is that a thing? Yeah, Sticky floors, colorful sections. Oh, There's man. a Vegas section. There's a New Year's section. My There's like gosh. a My Little Pony section. It's just... Man, if they sold funnel cakes, I think I'd just live there. You would love it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have to go now. Keep them from going out of business. You know what? They need to listen to this. Start selling funnel cakes and deep fried Twinkies. And then they'll stay in business because I will always go there. <laughs> I love carnivals so much. I'm such a... I will eat that food. That's kind of what I try to eat as a diet. Yeah. But it's hard mm-hmm. to eat, you know, an elephant ear when you're not at a festival. Yep. <laughs> so it's tough to do, but yeah. I try. I do my mm-hmm. best. Um, Many corn dogs just don't hit the same. You know what? You know what, though? We do eat a lot of corn dogs in the Wiggins household. I believe that. <laughs> corn dogs and taquitos. Mm-hmm. Common staples yep. in the Wiggins household. I microwaved taquitos the other day. Oh, don't do that. Garbage. Don't. Yes, exactly. Trash. It was a waste of food. You put them in the oven and you don't eat them all. Exactly. You throw them in the trash. Here's what I did. I put them in the microwave, realized I had made a mistake, and then put them in the oven. Oh. That's even worse. I've never... <laughs> Never tried that. <laughs> not good. That's Do not recommend. Like a huge mistake. It does seem like maybe you'd shave a little time off of the oven, but the preheat is the longest wait. It does something to the inside. It was uh, no longer meat in there. Was... I'll tell you what, you can get some crappy taquitos. You can. You can. I still eat them. These were pretty solid taquitos until I until you destroyed, destroyed them. them. Mm-hmm. Uh, right Aid? I don't even think that's in this area. It's a pharmacy. Mm-hmm. Heard of it? Yeah, me too. No relationship with it. Mm-mm. Last one. Now, this is one of the reasons that I wanted to ask you because my wife loved this place for a long time. I've been in it. I don't get it. Tuesday morning. Yes or no? Is that the name of the place? Yeah. Okay. Clearly. No idea. No relationship with Tuesday morning. It is. It's like if you took World Market and Bed Bath & Beyond, shoved it all into like half the size of an Aldi. And made it with no rhyme or reason to anything. Just bins and aisles full of stuff that was kind of like that. Kind of like a five below. Except for home goods. Okay. And No idea. Where where was one well, in the area? Well, there was one in Fairview for a long time. I don't think it's still there. And I think that's indicative of the fact that the company is struggling hmm. and may go away. But you answered my question. You don't have any relationship None. with Tuesday morning. Mm-mm. Can I out what we're trying to do before we run out of time here with the Please. show? Please. 
we're, me and you, mm-hmm. you started reading the book of Genesis. Yes. I'm trying to keep up with you. Yes. And I think it's a great accountability program for uh-huh. me to stay and in the Bible. Me. If and you're for gonna, you. If you're going to try to keep up with me, that means I've got to keep going. Yeah. And I need it because you get a little in the weeds here. I, well, I suggested... Maybe you read Genesis and then you jump ahead a couple books because you're going to just die out in Leviticus. Mm-hmm. But you, you're like, no. You said no. My goal is to read the Bible starting at the beginning in the Old Testament all the way through. Yeah, and No I just, matter how long it takes me. You, you just don't know what you're in for, though. I know that at this point, I've had to read and reread quite a few times. So I understand that this is a big undertaking. And I'm also to the point where if I'm reading a passage, I'm like, okay, I am not retaining this at all. I am jumping ahead a little bit and finding bits and pieces of things I can take spiritually throughout the Mm -hmm. day. But yeah, I'm going through it. I'm doing it. Okay. And then I'm I'm not going to ask you to explain it all to me. Well, you're ahead of me right now Mm -hmm. because you're still in Genesis, but you're toward the end of it. Yep. And I'm just, I mean, I've read Genesis a thousand times, but uh, it's just an excuse for me. Uh, Yeah, I know. (laughs) (laughs) I do this all the time. (laughs) Like, this may take me 10 years. You're like, I'm on my like 10th round. Well, no, reading straight through is a huge undertaking. Mm -hmm. I've only read straight through one time just to make sure I did it. Well, and you have to remember, I went to Catholic grade school until halfway through second grade, and that was it as far as the teaching portion goes. So I didn't have that education, like that formal education growing up, where I think a lot of kids get those things at school and kind of learn how to read the Bible and learn where to how to navigate it. So my parents said, we believe in God, we believe in Jesus, like we are a faith-based household, but we're sending you to public schools, our public schools are good. So (laughs) you're kind of on your own, like we'll answer questions, my dad's read the Bible, but now as an adult, I'm like, okay, I have a lot of questions, I gotta go back and read this. From the beginning, it's important to me that I do this. And I don't have the foundation of how to do it, really. So, so you're just sort of laying the groundwork so that you can ask the questions. Yes. I, this is going to be fun. Yeah, it's we'll, great. We'll keep I appreciate you, you doing this with me. Yeah, no, it's good for me, too. So we'll keep you updated as we go, and I'll try to catch up to Trisha, and we'll, we'll talk about this next week. Thanks for listening to Wiggins America. Get more at 971talk.com. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did.